All right, well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, would you please turn to two different passages? We're going to start out in Matthew chapter 6, and then we're going to be spending most of the time in Deuteronomy chapter 15. So, again, it's Matthew chapter 6 and Deuteronomy 15. And we're continuing our series called FAQ, which is Frequently Asked Questions. There are a lot of things that we do as a church, but a lot of times we don't necessarily understand why we do these things. So we're going through a lot of the things that are commonly done in church and really looking at why we do these things so we understand the heart behind it. And I think that when we do that, it becomes a lot more alive. It's not a ritual. It's not something religious that we do. But it's something that now, because of the new life that we have inside of us as Christians, we do. And uh, one of the things that is, so we talked about the church first and why we should come to church. And then last week we talked about what worship is. And this week is the fun one. We're going to talk about giving. And you guys are all thinking, all right, I woke up early on a cold day and I drove out here so I can hear the preacher talk about money. All right, good decision there. But this is the thing. We all, if you've been in church, you have some different experiences from that. And uh, there's some varied experiences. Even myself, I'm a bit of a, a mutt, I guess you could say. I grew up Methodist, and then I went to a Baptist church, which was, you know, like, oh my goodness, you went to a Baptist church as a Methodist? That was our arch rival for some reason. And then I went to a, a very charismatic Pentecostal church, I went to a Bible church, and I've kind of been all over the place. And a lot of different experiences. Growing up in the Methodist church, they always did the offering where they would do a special song, like a special piece, I guess, to entertain you for a little bit. And then they'd pass out the offering during that. And then after they took up the offering, you'd all stand up and you would sing the doxology. And I asked someone why. I was like, hey, why do we sing the doxology every time we take an offering? Like, I don't know. We've just done it as long as I've been alive. We're going to keep doing it. I go, all right. So I had no idea why we did that. And then I remember going to some other churches where, uh, my goodness, I remember I was a visitor at a church and they did their offering, and it was a half-hour ordeal. They spent 30 minutes. First, they had to do a sermon on giving and why you're supposed to give. And then they did a thing where they said, okay, if you're a tither here, then come forward. Like, one by one, you come up, and you drop off your offering in the basket. And then if you're not a tither, but you want to make an offering, then you all came forward. And then he said, all right, now what we're going to do is we're going to do a special offering. I believe that the Lord's going to bless you if you'll give another $40. And so then everybody gets up again, and they come up and give another $40. Then after that, he says, my mom's birthday's next week. We want to bless her and have a special day for her. So I want everybody to give $50 for that. And I'm like, dude, I'm tapped out. But I don't even go here. I don't know who your mother is. Everybody gets up again and give your $50. So a half hour later, it's like, okay, Time for us to go home now, but it was just getting started. I remember thinking, like, this is crazy. I'm never coming back here. It seemed like it was pretty manipulative. I've been to things where it seemed like it was fear-based. You have to give or else these things are going to happen to you. And so I think it's really important that we come back to why is it that we give? What is giving all about? What is it that the Bible says about giving? And I think that as we do that, it'll bring a lot of healing to people that maybe feel like they've been abused in the past by the church in the area of giving where there's been, uh, you know, fear, manipulation, uh, pressure, different things like that in regards to giving. So hopefully it'll bring some healing there. And then also it'll bring some life to giving as you understand the heart behind it and what it is that God created it to be. And the easy thing to do would be just to never talk about money. Uh, if, I mean, hey, if you're a pastor, just never talk about sex, never talk about money. Everybody's going to be happy. Let's just talk about faith and, you know, living out your vision and things like that. But here's the thing. When you look through Scripture, there are 500 verses approximately in the Bible on prayer. That's quite a few. And when you look at the subject of faith, there's, again, about 500 verses on the subject of faith. But when it comes to the topic of money and possessions, 
There are 2,000 verses in the Bible on this. And with Jesus' parables, there are 38 parables we read in the book of Luke, and 16 of those are on the subject of money. So it's an important thing to God, and it's important that we take a look at it and see what it is that God wants for us. And the reason that God talks about money is because it's really an issue of the heart. It reveals the health of your heart. There are three things the Bible says reveal what's going on inside of your heart. And one is the words that you speak. It says that the, the things you say are all an overflow of what it is that's going on in your heart. So when you meet someone that are just constantly blessing you and encouraging you and uplifting you, it's because there are good things going on inside of their heart. When they're constantly gossiping, slandering, tearing people down, they're saying those things because there are bad things going on inside of their heart. And the second thing that the Bible talks about is our actions. The things that we do, the way that we live our life is all a result of the overflow of what it is that's going on inside of our heart. And the third thing that it says is a reflection of our heart is our money. Because our heart is attached to our money. And Jesus says this in Matthew 6.21, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The way that you use your finances reveals to you the things that your heart is invested in. One of the scariest things I do is when I get my credit card statement, I always look at the things I spent money on, and I'm like, wow, I didn't realize that I spent this much on this thing. Like, that was a waste. Why was my heart so attached to this one thing? But the way we spend our money shows what's the priority that's in our life, what is it that our heart really goes out to, and what are the things that we don't really care about. See, before I started saving for retirement and investing in my 401k, I didn't care at all about how Apple or Coca-Cola were doing as a company. Like, I never checked on that. It didn't matter to me. But as soon as my money went into these companies and the different funds that I was a part of, I, you know, every day I'm checking, like, okay, how'd the Apple stock do? Okay, Coca-Cola's doing good. We're okay. Keep giving those kids cavities, Coca-Cola. I got to retire someday. But my heart became attached to these things because I had a vested interest in it now. And Jesus is saying the same thing. The verses before that are talking about don't store up your, tre your treasure here on earth where moth and rust destroy or thieves break in and steal. But instead, put your treasure in heaven because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So when we invest in the kingdom, when we use our money according to scriptural ways, it says that God, my interest is your kingdom. My interest is seeing your kingdom come and your will being done on earth as it is in heaven and my heart now is attached to this thing. So God lays out for us the way that we're supposed to give and really the heart that's behind it. And I think one of the most uh, interesting passages about this actually comes from Deuteronomy chapter 15 in regards to the heart behind giving. In Deuteronomy 15 verses 7 through 8 it says, If there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates in your land which the Lord our God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart nor shut your hand from your poor brother, but you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. See, God's saying that whenever someone has need, what I want you to do is I want you to meet that need if you have the ability to do this. What he's saying is that I want you to have a generous heart. I want you to make sure that the motive behind your heart when it comes to giving is reaching out and providing for others, giving of yourself so that those who don't have now have their needs met. And that's not something that comes natural to us. The natural thing is to be selfish, 
to hold on to the things that we have, not to give to others. You always think, well, why doesn't someone else give to them? Or you know, don't we have a government program that takes care of that somewhere? But what God is saying is that I want you to have a generous heart. And that out of that generous heart, you're going to give in this way, that when you see people who have need, you're going to generously meet the need that they have. So if we want to be generous givers, which I think we all do, nobody says, my goal in life is to be a selfish miser that hoards all of my wealth and doesn't bless anybody. Nobody says that. Nobody admits, hey, you know, are you generous? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm generous. Even if you aren't, you say, yeah, I'm generous. We think of ourselves, you know, as America, we're a generous nation. But here's the thing. And the, the Christians, not even just all people, but the Christians, the people that should be the most generous and that we claim to be the most generous, we give away 1.7% of our income on average to all charities. That's talking church, that's talking uh, relief funds, any type of a thing. 1.7% of the average Christian's income goes out to meeting people's needs. Which says that in the Western church, we have a heart problem. We aren't as generous as we think we are. And we certainly aren't as generous as what God's called us to be. But here are some things that we can do to create a generous heart inside of us. And the first thing is, number one, deal with a selfish heart. Deuteronomy 15.9 says this, Beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart, saying, The seventh year, the year of release, is at hand, and your eye be evil against your poor brother, and you give him nothing, and he cry out to the Lord against you, and it becomes sin among you. That's interesting. God's talking about if you look at someone and see their need and you don't give to them, he says that that is wickedness. He says that selfishness is wickedness and that it leads and turns into sin. And the interesting thing about this, they're talking about the seventh year, the year of release. What that means is in the economic system that God set up for the nation of Israel, every seven years, all of your debts would be canceled. Some of you students out there are like, yes, we need to get back to that. Every seven years. That, I mean, imagine that. All the debt that you have right now, every seven years, it's going to be canceled. Isn't that incredible? People get excited about that. But you know who's not excited about that? Someone who is owed money. Because that means that that debt that you are owed is canceled every seven years. So what this verse is talking about is if someone comes up to you, and let's just say it's six months before the year of release. And they come up to you and they say, hey, my crops failed this year. I have no money. Can you lend me some money so that I can survive and so that I can get through this? And in your mind, you're thinking, you know what? In six months, I have to cancel out this debt. I'm not going to give this guy anything because it's going to cost me. There's absolutely no way this person's going to be able to pay me back. So I'm not going to give to them because it's not in my best interest to do that. I'm going to take a bath on this. And if we have that mindset... God says, what you're doing is wicked. It's sin. And the reason we do that is because it's selfishness. We want to take care of ourselves. We want to do what's best for ourselves, look out for our own self-interest instead of others. But that's the exact opposite of the way that God has called us to be. He says that we are supposed to be those who give to those who are around us, not worrying about are we going to be paid back for it, I mean, even Jesus, when we're looking at the way he says, he says, man, if someone asks you for your cloak, give them your underwear too, basically is what he's saying. That you give to people without the expectation that they're ever going to be able to pay you back. That's the generous heart. That's the heart behind giving that God wants us to have. Now, let me ask you guys this. Why is it that God created giving? I mean, he didn't have to. He didn't have to call us to give, but he did call us to give. Why did he call us to give? 
This was actually asked to a, a group of people in seminary, and the number one answer that they came up with was to fund God's work. And that seems like a pretty, I mean, a pretty logical response. But when you start to think about it, it's not that logical. Does God need you to fund his work? How much did God have to spend to create the world? He spoke it into being. You think the utility bill in heaven is getting high where God needs our help somehow? That they're running out of gold to pave the streets with and now we have to give to that? God doesn't need us to support his work. He spoke everything into being. It says that he's the one that owns the earth and everything in it. He has the, the, um, the, the hills with all the cows on them. I forgot that verse. Anyways, he's got a lot of cows. He doesn't need our help. The reason that God called us to give isn't so that we can support what he's doing. He does what he does independent of us. We're lucky that we get to join him and that he's called us to partner with him in what he's doing, but he doesn't need us to financially support him. The reason that God told us to give is because giving drives out selfishness and greed from the heart of the believer. That's what it does. There's nothing else that will drive out selfishness and greed in our hearts like giving. And I have seen that over the course of my life. I've seen that in the course of other people. You look at people who they, they want to give, but they also want to hold on to things, because that's human nature. I love watching my kids when there's food involved. They're always trying to hoard it. They never want to share it. That, that's just human nature, is we try to hoard things. We're a selfish people from birth. And the way that God works in our hearts to remove selfishness and greed from us is he calls us to give. Because it's through the act of giving that we become more and more generous. So if we want to have a generous heart, the first thing that we have to do is deal with the selfishness in our heart. And the way that we do that is through giving. And then the second thing that we're called to do is to deal with a grieving heart. In Deuteronomy 15.10, it says, You shall surely give to him, and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him, because for this thing the Lord God will bless you in all your works, and all to which you put your hand, your needy in your land. And God is saying he doesn't need us to just give. He hasn't called us not only to give, but when we give, he says that your heart shouldn't be grieved by it. Have you guys ever given generously to someone and then afterwards you were sad about it? This is my thing. Like, I'm real generous at, at first. You could ask me for anything. Oh, yeah, sure, you can have that. You want my house? Go ahead. And then as soon as you took it, I'm like, oh, man, what have I done? I'm such an idiot. Why did I give that away? And my heart becomes grieved after that. And that's just a part of the natural human response is a lot of times when you give, you overcome selfishness to finally be able to give now, and then you're grieved by it in your heart afterwards. And when Ann and I were on staff at Radiant Church in Kalamazoo, the first year that they did an offering to help build an orphanage in there for uh, Pastor Abraham, I remember we were praying, like, we wanted to give. We believed that God had given us a gift for giving. We wanted to be givers. And so we're praying, all right, God, what is it that you want us to give towards the building of this orphanage? Because it was about $60,000, and we wanted to contribute to that. And so we're praying independently. We said, let's both pray by ourselves and see what it is that God speaks to us. And we don't want to just come up with this on our own, but we want to hear God in this about what we're supposed to give. So we both pray independently for a couple of days about it, and we write down the number, and then we come back together, and it was the same. And we're like, oh, shoot. I was kind of like, I was hoping God would speak a little less to her because it was a big number for us. 
And I'm like, all right, you know what? This is what God told us to do. We said we want to be givers, and we're just going to believe that God's going to make the way for us. And so we agreed on it. And then as we're waiting for the day to come when they were taking up the offering for the orphanage, in a, in a span of about 10 days, the engine in Anna's car died. And so we had to replace her car. And then a few days after that, we were driving in my Honda Accord, the only car we had because hers had died, and a big pickup truck swerved over the center line on the highway and hit us head on. And just, I only, we fractured, she fractured a few ribs and I bruised some bones in my body, but God just miraculously spared us through all of that. But the problem was the car was just beyond totaled. And so we had nothing now. We had to replace two cars. And so by the time we were able to replace our two cars, the amount that we had left in our, in the whole world was the amount that God had called us to give to this orphanage. And that was all we had left. And I remember thinking, God, surely you don't want us to, I mean, I took the Dave Ramsey class, God, you don't want us to be in this situation where we don't have an emergency fund. And I was like, well, we'll check with you one more time, God, just to confirm that <laughs> it's okay now for me not to give. And so I'm like, God, you, surely you don't still want your servant to give now. And he's like, the number I told you was the number I told you. Nothing's changed. I was like, God, actually something has changed. I don't know if you noticed, but we were out a couple cars, and the numbers in our account have definitely changed. But I really felt like this is what we were supposed to do. And so I said, all right, God, I'm going to be obedient to you because I don't want to be disobedient. And so it came time, and I remember writing out that check, and it was the biggest check we'd ever written. And so you write the first number, and you're like, okay. Then you add a zero to it, and you're like, all right. And you add another zero to it, and you're like, oh, this is a lot of numbers now. These zeros just keep coming. And so we wrote it out, and I'm going to give it in the offering, and I'm like, okay, God, I'm going to put my trust in you. And I dropped it in, and I went home. And I was just like, oh, Lord, what have I done? Like, I was bummed out. I had nothing. And I should have been happy about the fact that I had faith to give and that I was giving to see lives of orphans changed, people who had been abused and cast out in the street. And now they were going to be brought in and they were going to be fed and educated and have people who love them and invested in their lives and know that God was going to speak to them and that the, their futures were changed and even the future of the nation of India would be changed through this. But all I was thinking about was, oh my goodness, what have I done? I have nothing and I didn't have any joy in giving. And this is what I've discovered. When you give your own money, a lot of times you can be kind of bummed about it. When you give someone else's money, you have no problem. If I gave you $700 and said, I need you to go buy me a snowblower, can you go get that for me? You're like, oh yeah, sure, that's not a big deal. You're not gonna be grieved as you hand over the $700 at Lowe's, because it's not your money. But if I said, hey, can you buy me a snowblower? You're going to be like, what? Why would I do that? This is my money. And you'd be like, you might do it if you really, really loved me, but you're not going to be happy about it. You're going to be grieved as you fork out that money for it. And so as I was sitting there feeling bummed and sad and depressed about what I had done, God spoke to me, and this really changed my heart and really was one of the pivotal moments in my life as far as giving goes. And I'm sitting there bummed out and grieved, and God spoke to me, and he said, don't be so upset. It wasn't your money. It was mine. And I was like, ooh. See, everything that we have isn't really ours. We're stewards. And when you take that approach and say, God, 
all of the resources I have, the money, my car, my home, whatever it is that you've given me, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put my ear to you and I'm going to listen to you and I'm going to do anything it is that you call me to do with anything that you've entrusted me with. You can do it with joy and without a grieved heart because it's not yours. You're just taking what it is that God's given you to then distribute to someone else. And because of that, then Ann and I were able to go on. We've never sold a car in our entire life. Every car we've ever had, we've given away to someone. That hasn't been totaled. We've totaled three of them. So you might not want to drive with me. But, but there's, like, the view is, hey, if we have the ability to meet someone's need, if we can give to someone and just bless them, I don't want to sell it. I just want to give it away to someone. And I'm not saying that to try to like set myself up as the example of giving. I'm just saying, guys, there is a holy possible out there to be generous, where we can be generous with each other and generous with others. And there is a joy that comes from doing that, both from the person that's receiving the blessing and what it is, the joy that you get from doing that. And here's what God says too, is that when you do this, when you're generous with those who are in need and you give to them without having a grieved heart, it says that he's going to bless everything that you put your hand to. There have been three times in our life where we have emptied our accounts to meet other people's needs. And we still have a house. We still have cars. You might not like my car, but it gets me from point A to point B. And we are blessed. I mean, if you come to my home... You might say, wow, you have a pink wall here and a green wall here and a blue wall there. This doesn't look like it's real well put together, but I don't care. I, I mean, I love my family. And what God is doing in our household, we are blessed. God's supernatural favor is upon us because of the fact that we've been obedient to what it is that he's called us to do. And then the third thing is that you have to develop a generous heart. Deuteronomy 15, 14 says this, You shall supply him liberally from your flock, from your threshing floor and from your wine press, from what the Lord God has blessed you with, you shall give to him. So you know what God's saying there? He's just saying, share. It's that simple. And just share what it is that God's given you. He's not called you to go and to try to make something or create something to give away. He's saying, what it is that I've generously given to you, I just want you to generously share that with other people. Now, here's the hard part. That's something that has to be developed. That's not just living out of the natural way of the human heart. You have to develop a generous heart. With my kids, even last night, what we're doing is we're making popcorn as a bedtime snack, and I bought the popcorn. They didn't buy the popcorn. I popped the popcorn. I put the butter and the salt on the popcorn, and I set it down. I gave it to Eason, and I said, here, take this. Go sit on the couch with Brielle and give her some of the popcorn. And so what does he do? He takes it and he goes and he sits on the chair by himself. And Brielle's crying on the couch. like, ah, And then she comes over and she's trying to take some of it. And he's like, no, it's mine. And I'm like, what on earth makes you think this is yours? I bought it. I popped it. I gave it to you with the instructions to go sit on the couch and share it with your sister. But you're trying to hoard this all for yourself. Somehow you think this is yours. And it made me a little bit mad because what I'm doing, I'm like, just grow up. This is so simple. He's three, so there's some leeway with it, but I want him to grow up, to share, to be nice to his sister, and I mean, just become a little more like me. I'm still selfish, but I'll share my popcorn with most people. Most people. <laughs> you know what? This is what God's saying to us. Grow up. Sometimes we act like little kids. 
because he gave us the popcorn and told us to go share it with our brothers and sisters. And what do we do? We run away with it. We're hiding in our room under our blanket, eating the popcorn, hoping nobody's going to see us. And people are coming up and asking us for it, and we're like, no, it's mine. Get away. We become like little golems, like, my precious, and we hold on to things. <laughs> and it's so stupid. It's like, really, when you look at what money is, like, you want some paper with ink on it? You want a, a rusty old car? I mean, the things that we have really have so little value in comparison to the value of a human heart. And we put more value in inanimate objects and possessions over the living flesh and blood, people that were created in the image of God. And we're able to look at their needs and turn a blind eye towards them because we're so focused on what it is that we have and gaining more and more for ourselves. And God says, if you want to be a generous giver, like I've called you to be, if you want to be like me, the generous Father who's given so lavishly to you, what you need to do is to share out of the abundance that I've given you. And then lastly, we need to develop a grateful heart. Deuteronomy 15.15 says this, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this thing today. What God's doing is he's reminding them of who they were and where they were and what they had. See, the nation of Israel, they were a people that had nothing. They were living as slaves in Egypt. They didn't have any possessions. They didn't have freedom. They were oppressed. They were abused. They had great need. And when they were in that place of need, God came to them he saved them, he delivered them, he redeemed them. And he's the one that took them into the place of abundance in the land of promise. And what God's saying to us is, we need to remember who we used to be. We need to remember the place that we used to be in. We need to remember that once we were slaves, that we had nothing. And this is why God has right. He says, I'm commanding you this day to be generous. And the reason why he has the right to demand that we be generous is because of what he's done in our lives. Because before God saved me and redeemed me, I had nothing. I might have had money, I might have had possessions, but all the things in the world without Jesus add up to nothing. Everything that I really need are the things that he has provided me with. And what I didn't recognize before I knew God and I thought that I'd acquired these things by my own hard work and my own diligence and my own skill was that I wasn't good enough to earn those things. That was God's blessing on me all the way through before I even followed him. I was still blessed by him. And so we have to come to a point of where we look at ourselves and we say, what is our heart really? When it comes to giving, have we been giving maybe, but our hearts been grieved by it because we didn't recognize that what we had wasn't ours, it was all God's? Have we had selfishness inside of our hearts that have kept us from being generous and having the heart motive of generosity behind what we do? 
You know, one of the things that, I, I mean, I, I can't tell you how much I can't stand this, is so many churches you go in there and they say you need to give so that you can get. That if you sow this seed, that you're going to get a triple favor. I love, my favorite thing is when I'm flipping through TV channels and you see some guy selling a little hanky for $50 or $100 and promising that you're going to get triple favor if you send in money to get that. And I'm like, that is just the most maddening thing to me in the entire world. Because when we give, it gets selfishness and greed out of us, right? So when you give to get, it's putting selfishness and greed right back into our hearts. We don't give to get. We give to give. We give out of the heart of generosity. And here's the vision that we have for Radiant Church. We're going to be generous. We are going to be a people who sacrifice greatly to see God's kingdom come, to see his will being done on earth as it is in heaven. And I don't want us to just be a people who meet the needs of our community and people around the world. I mean, think about this. We give 30% of everything that comes in into overseas missions. I am so proud of that. I am so glad that you guys have gotten a heart for this and that you're generously giving, not just so you can get, but you're giving because you have a generous spirit inside of you and you want to see needs of people met because you value them and because you have a heart for your father and a heart like your father's. And I want to see us continue to move into more of that. I want Radiant Church to be a church that truly is a light in our community. And when people think about Radiant Church, they think about the generosity that we have and how we're giving to meet the real needs of the people that are around us. But it begins in our hearts first. Having a heart like our Father. And this is the way that He demonstrated and that He gave to us. While we were still sinners, while we were living as enemies of the cross, while we were far from God, He came and he laid his life down for us. He shed his blood on the cross so that we might have a righteousness that's not our own. He demonstrated how generous his heart is. And he set the example for the generosity that we're supposed to have in our hearts. But let me say this again. I'm not, I'm not preaching this this morning because I want to bring shame or condemnation or guilt into anyone's heart. That's not what we do. I just want your heart to be shaped and molded into the image of God because that's what we've been called to be. And so this morning, you guys stand with me. And let's just ask God to speak to us about what it is. If, if we have been generous or if we need to deal with a selfish heart, if we've been putting our needs first above other people, or maybe we've been dealing with a grieving heart, maybe we need to develop generosity inside of our hearts, or maybe we need to develop that grateful heart. We say, God, I'm just so grateful for what you've done that I want to be like you. God, we know that you are the only one who can change our hearts. And so, Father, we ask that you would come and that you would do a mighty work in us today. 
God, that you would come and that you would remove selfishness and greed from our hearts. God, that you would fill us with a new empathy for those around us in need. God, that you would change the way that we view ourselves, our lives, and everything we had to see that you have shared so generously and so lavishly with us and that you've called us to use all of the resources that you've given us in obedience to you to be generous to the world that's around us. And in doing this, we model for people in a real way the love and the heart of the Father. And God, we pray that you would move against condemnation and guilt and shame, God, against grief in our own hearts. God, that you would heal us where maybe there's been fear and manipulation, God where there's even been selfishness in the way that we gave. And Father, that you would restore us and give us a heart that's like yours. God, we pray that for all of us, that we would become more generous, God. We pray for all the churches in our city, God, that there'd be new generosity that flows out of them. Father, we want to see our city transformed. We want to see it changed. God, we want to see the needs of all of those around us who are in pain and in suffering. God, we want to see all of those needs met. God, we want to see a kingdom culture come into Ipsy and Ann Arbor and Celine and Dexter and Milan. Jesus, we want this, this entire region to be changed and to come into conformity with your will. So God, use us. Change us. Make us like you, we pray. In the name of Jesus. Amen.